0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International.
1: Your thought closet is this place in your mind where you store everything you've ever said to yourself, Mm. you know, good and bad, Mm. you're such an idiot, or you can do it, right? Whatever it is you say to yourself, you store it in your thought closet, and then you wardrobe your life with all that stuff.
0: What would you have hanging in your thought closet? Next on Life Today, join Jennifer Rothschild as she shares some practical ways to speak truth to your soul.
2: Welcome to Life Today, I'm Randy Robinson, who are you? I'm Sheila Walsh, and welcome. We're so glad that you're with us today, and I am really thrilled that we have someone I've loved and admired and had the opportunity to share a platform with, but she has so much wisdom yeah. to share with us. in our new book It's called, Me, Myself, and Lies. Would you please welcome Jennifer Rothschild. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love this
3: book. Yes, this is a fun book, and there's two parts, and we're on, we're on a really fun part today because you have a thing called a thought closet, mm-hmm. um, which I just have to laugh at because <laughs> you don't want to see in my thought closet. It's a strange place indeed. <laughs> but you give it—you give it to—you uh, give us a peek into other people's thought closets. Yeah. And you, how did that process work? First of all, I'm curious. I'm like, here's so and so's thought closet. I'm like, oh, well, so no here's noise. your thought closet. Okay.
1: Your thought closet is this place in your mind where you store everything you've ever said to yourself. Hmm. You know good and bad, Mm. you're such an idiot, or you can do it, right? Whatever it is you say to yourself, you store it in your thought closet, and then, you wardrobe your life with all that stuff, right? So that's what a thought closet is. So I asked some of my friends who a lot of our friends know about like Lisa Turkhurst mm-hmm. and Lara Story and Stormy O'Marty and I said, so tell me what you say <laughs> when you talk to yourself and how do you deal with some of these hard things like rejection or calling yourself names. And so, yeah, I have these sneak peeks into women's thought closets. In I,
3: the book. I know we want to hear those, but I have one question before we get to the, the juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you clean out your closet? Me? I, no, anybody. anybody. How do we clean out that thought closet? Because you say we're gonna wear these things. I mm-hmm. have a lot of thoughts I don't wanna wear.
1: I know, okay, well, so here's, there's a quote by John Stott, okay? He oh, was I an Anglican him. pastor, yeah. wasn't he fantastic? I used to go
2: hear him every Sunday night when I was
1: a student in London. Oh, I'm so jealous. In amazing. A godly sort of way. Yeah, <laughs> of course, yes. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, then you will love this quote. He said that if you sow, as in plant, if you sow a thought, you will reap an action. If you sow an action, you'll reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you will reap character. And if you sow character, you reap your destiny. Wow. Wow. So in other words, look at your destiny, look at the life you're living today and you can trace it back to the way you think, or in other words, to what you've put in your thought closet. So how you start cleaning out your thought closet is that you begin to recognize what it is you say to yourself. And if it's not true, then you don't say it to yourself anymore. You refuse that lie entry. You bar the door of your thought closet and you do not let that lie in there until it begins to agree with the truth, and then you replace it with the truth so that your thought closet is full of truth.
3: One thing I know, because you talked about thoughts as seeds,
1: mm-hmm.
3: how do you get a seed to die or to grow?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You water the one you want to grow.
1: That's right, and you
2: starve
3: That's the one you exactly want to right. die. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. One of the
2: things that I thought was really insightful, because um, if you're not familiar with, with Jennifer's story, um, it, At 15, you discovered that you were losing your eyesight. And you have this really interesting thing when you talk about what it's like to be blind and a control freak. (laughs) (laughs) But the, the thing that you said that I think is so brilliant is you finally came to the realization you were never in control anyway. No, it's nothing to do with being blind or, or having anything else that's not working, because the truth
1: is we're not in control of everything in our lives. No, whoever can say that they chose the day that they were going to be born and the family that they were born into. If, if you have control over that, then, yes, mm. you've got control. But there is not one of us mm. that controlled that. We do not ultimately control. But there are some choices that we can make, of course, and we can yield Rest in the sovereignty of God, who does have ultimate control over everything, and that's a better way to live. Anyway, I'd much rather He be in control than me.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've tried the first way; it didn't work out so well. No, it didn't work
1: out so well. The second half of your book is seven things
3: you
2: say to your soul, and I find this so helpful, so practical. One of the things you say is. look up, you talk about like interviewing your own soul, and you tell a very moving story about an adopted girl that really made me pause. Because this girl, there was a lot that she could have complained about, but she wrote a list of something else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because she was born, her name was Minda, and she was born with no arms and no legs, India, and when her mom adopted her, it took forever to get her over here because the sweet baby didn't even have a fingerprint because she had no hands. And so her mom described how when Minda was in the fourth grade, she found this list of everything she would do if she had arms and legs. And she said she would jump for joy. Wow. She would make the sign of the cross. And it was such a and, and the list went on. With, with things that you and I just take for granted. And it was such a beautiful picture of recognizing that when you're really looking up, when you're telling your soul to have hope and to hope in God, then you're really able to see much more broadly. Your problem is no longer the biggest thing on your horizon. You're you're able to see something bigger, something more hopeful. And so that's why one of the chapters is learning to tell our souls to have hope or as I call it <laughs> to look up.
2: Yeah. But one of the things I found really helpful, you talk about um, calm down, mm-hmm. speaking shalom to your soul. Yeah. And you talk about the difference between gasoline words <laughs> and water, water words.
3: words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ex- Unpack that a little. Yeah, I that's love good. That. That's real good. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. So all of us, I believe, have these little tiny embers in our thought closets. <laughs> you know, some of us are really peaceful and easygoing all the time, but you still have little teeny weeny flames in your thought closet, oh, yeah. and they can, with just the right conditions ignite right so we have to be mindful when we talk to ourselves the difference between gasoline and water words so gasoline words right for me because i was a notorious name caller my word was idiot you're such an idiot that's a gasoline word yeah. okay you're telling yourself that if i call myself an idiot that's gasoline mm. i am throwing gasoline into my thought closet and phew, an inferno of anger at myself because I'm so dumb. Mm. You know, yeah. that's gasoline. So what's the difference? Instead of throwing in gasoline words, and they're not just names that you call yourself. They could be, you should have done this. You could have done that. You throw water, the water of the word of God. And when you throw water onto a fire, what happens? goes out. It goes out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then your thought closet is full of peace. And it really is speaking shalom to your soul. And we have a whole book full of water words (laughs) that we can speak to ourselves.
3: And it's not just true in speaking to yourself, it's very true in speaking to others because (laughs) I'm pretty good at throwing water on the words in my own thought closet. Mm. Pretty bad at throwing gasoline on other people. Oh. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I I, I really like the the wisdom of that. Way every word you say to others and to yourself. It's good, good stuff. To me it's
2: the difference too between reacting and responding. Yeah. You know, I think that um, we're so tempted to react, you know, because like I was driving up here and I'm in the middle lane. I'm not in the fast lane. And this dude is sitting right on my tail. That's me. And I'm like, was I'm mean. in the middle lane. <laughs> That's yeah, to you. you. Probably, yeah. And, and he won't go away. So I think, okay, so I go into the slow lane and he moves gets gets behind oh. me. Wow. And then he eventually oh, he overtakes me and gives brings a gesture. It was not me. <laughs> that, that was not. That wasn't Randy. Yeah, and I mean my immediate response is like you want to react. But yeah. I'm learning, you know right. what Sheila Walsh, if you call yourself a daughter of the king, you better learn this is not your home. You right. do not belong here. You are you are part of a bigger kingdom, yes. so we don't react;
3: we respond. See, that's where I would throw gasoline on that fire mm-hmm. a lot of times and <laughs> in the past, especially. And I honestly, God has taught me how to throw the water on the fire, not just on like the other guy, but on myself. Yeah. Right. Right.
1: Right to calm. To
3: calm down because down. I oh that is gasoline on my fire right there. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. but I, I Christ promised us peace. You know, He said, "My mm-hmm. peace I give, mm-hmm. my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives." So obviously the peace that Christ's word offers is not something that makes sense to anybody unless they know the presence of Christ. that's true. And and then he
1: says he will keep our minds quieted and at rest, at peace, when our minds are fixed on him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing. When we act according to our identity rather than the situations, Mm -hmm. we're more capable of responding rather than just reacting.
3: That's actually huge. I don't know if you guys deal with this, but have you ever had a point in your life where your mind was not at peace, mm. not at rest? Oh, sure. Yeah. That is exhausting. That is. And it's not It's not fun for you, and it's not fun for those close to you. Right. Yeah. And I've been there. So those, those, those are huge words. That's big, big stuff, Jennifer.
2: Yeah. But one of the things, I, I think this is the thing in the book that helped me the most, and honestly, it kind of convicted me. Mm. Um, you talk about little things that you can do. And I think you're quoting actually from Rick Warren. Yes. And it says, divert, and it's about our time. Divert right. daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Yeah, don't you love that? Well, I do, but explain what those mean.
1: Okay, so the psalmist, <laughs> he told his soul to be at rest. And I can tell myself that all day long, and, and I don't do it, because I don't know what it means. So I learned from Rick Warren this very practical way to speak, rest, to your soul because it really is a discipline. Just like a car, if you don't ever put gas in it, it runs off, it runs out, right? We need to refuel ourselves and we do that through rest. So the first is to divert daily. That means you take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you can afford every day and you do something that's a diversion. You take a walk. You go sit out on the deck and listen to an audiobook. You can tell what I do for my daily diversion. You may uh, call a friend. You may sit and have a cup of coffee. Daily divert. Do something that brings you rest mentally and physically. <laughs> Once a week, you withdraw. Now, time <laughs> is like money. Some of us have a lot in our accounts. Some of us have a little. So you might be able to do a weekly withdrawal of a day or five or seven hours of time. You may only be able to afford two hours of time a week, but whatever you can afford, you need to take that and withdraw from work. Mm. Cease striving, do something that brings you joy. For me, when I'm in town, I have fun Friday with my girlfriends (laughs) and we go to boutiques and to lunch and it is my weekly withdrawal. Mm. And then once a year, you abandon, abandon annually. In other words, take a vacay, right? (laughs) You might be able to go to Europe, good for you. You don't have to go to Europe. You can just stay home, order pizza, take yourself offline, sleep in sleeping bags on the floor with the kids. I mean, do something that is an abandonment from your normal routine, and it brings rest to our souls. And here's the thing, y'all fly a lot, you know this. Whenever a flight attendant gets up, they will always say, in case of an emergency, an oxygen mask will drop, place it on your mouth and nose first, and then help the person sitting next to you. Hmm. When we don't speak rest to our souls, we cannot help the person sitting next to us. If we don't put our mask on, we're gonna run out of air and we're not going to be able to do all the things that God has called us to do.
2: Hmm. It's so good, Jennifer, because I'm so guilty of just doing the next thing, the next thing, and the next thing. And sometimes you can't go away on a vacation, but you know what my husband's new idea is? He wants us to put a tent up in our bedroom (gasps) and I'm like why would we put a tent up in the bedroom he says because it'll be so cool we can just get in there with the dogs and we'll be in a tent (laughs) with air conditioning (laughs) with air conditioning (laughs) so I'm like I'm all in dude I'm all in but there's such I mean those are very there's so many spiritual disciplines we're called to but that is such a practical thing because you even say you know that Back, you know, in the land, um, in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. the land got to rest every seven years. Yeah. And you say, if dirt needs a rest, <laughs> then we do too. Exactly. <laughs> That's
3: great. It's good. All right. But now, I don't want to let this show get away because, all right, we got some people here. And I want to I want to hear about their closets. All right. You got Lisa Welchel, mm-hmm. right, actress, speaker, author. Meredith Andrews, uh, my friend Margaret Feinberg, mm-hmm. Stormy Omarion, Lisa Turkhurst, Liz Curtis Higgs, I can't even imagine what's in her thought closet. And Shonda Pierce. I mean, between those two, I know them I know, both. Right? <laughs> right. So who, who, who in there? Whose closet stands out in there?
1: Oh my goodness, they <laughs> they all stand out for different reasons. Sure. Okay. I, I think one of them that impacted me the most was Lisa Welchel. She was a child actor. You know, yep. she was Blair on the Facts, Facts of, of Life. Life. And then when she grew up, she was on Survivor, and she's an author and speaker. And she talked about how she would rehearse because she so wanted to please everyone. She wanted to make sure she always was accepted by everybody. So she would rehearse everything she said. And then when she was done, she'd rewind and then judge and condemn and shame and reassess. And she talked about how when she really stopped being the center of her own thought closet Mm -hmm. and allowed the Lord to become the center of her thought closet and allowed him to assign value to her and give her the correct right estimate of herself and self-esteem, she stopped rehearsing. And I loved it because I thought that is so cool that she was an actress who no longer rehearses because she (laughs) is governed by the grace of God. That's
3: very interesting. Having done some theater in college, what you're talking, that process is actually exactly what you do when you're on stage, performing. Mm. And I can see how that would well, naturally like translate. That, yeah. yeah, but it, when it becomes a performance, yeah. it's not real. So that's great if you're you know, gonna be on stage, or gonna be doing a TV show or movie or something, but not so good in life for us to, to perform and fake it. That's really good, Yeah, it's good, I like that.
2: Yeah, I said there's seven things, and we're not gonna get to all of them, which means you just have to get the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you how in a little bit. But, <laughs> but the last one you talk
1: about, you talk about lift up. Yeah. Has that to do with worship? Yes, it does. I base that on, bless the Lord, O my soul, Mm -hmm. and all that is within me. You know, that's what the psalmist was doing. He was talking to his own soul, which is what we do when we talk to ourselves. And he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. He didn't say, bless my soul, O Lord, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's good. (laughs) He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And, And I have learned that when we truly lift up the Lord, then our problems feel lighter. Mm -hmm. When we are really lifting up the Lord, when His light is the brightest thing in our thought closets, when He is right there in the middle of everything, then we have the happiness that we long for that we don't get by striving, but we receive it by making God first. And here's the thing, when we're the center of our thought closets, it's very lonely in there. Mm -hmm. But when we say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, then our whole lives become blessed.
2: You know, it's I think one of the powerful things is, as I got to the end of your book, was realizing that um, it's like if you look even at Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, every single page is dripping with joy, Mm. even though he's in prison. And I think part of that is because he has this assurance, God is good, God is in control, and we're not home yet, you know, that there's a day when we're promised. Revelation 21 says there's a day when the final tear will be wiped off our face by God himself. And I think that gives us the strength to keep pressing through in difficult seasons.
1: Amen, to tell our souls, march on, Yes. march on.
3: I wanna point out that you did do a version of Me, Myself and Lies for young women. Yeah. And as a father of two young women, I greatly appreciate that. Why did you feel like there was a need to really speak to the younger generation?
1: Well, I have some nieces. I am a mom of sons, but I have nieces and I recognize the pressure they're under with social media yeah. defining who they are. Yeah. And I figured, you know, if I can get this message into the heart of a teenage girl so that she can live according to her identity instead of having to undo all the lies she tells herself, right. then mm-hmm. we're gonna have a generation of women yeah. that can cha- that will be changed and can change our world.
3: Yeah, Wow. yep, social media tends to be a very fake stage yeah. So I, I totally get that. I appreciate you doing that. Yeah.
1: One of the things,
2: I think one of the greatest lies that perhaps any of us can believe is that there is so much heartache, so much trouble in the world, and there's nothing we can do. I don't believe that anymore. Mm. Nope. I believe that you and I can make a huge difference in the world. And we're going to show you one life-changing way right now. Would you watch this?
0: Mm.
4: So, is, this is their water source, I'm assuming. This is my first um, encounter here in India, and I can already tell that there is so much to be done. This is where they have to come every day, all the way down here to get their water. This is his only source of water. Well, oh, you see this, is a nice little, flow of water out here, but upstream, just horses and cows and pigs. And right up the hill, eight children died from contaminated water here. This is just, I mean, there's so much here in Central America, in the poverty-stricken nations, that just touches your heart, it's endless.
3: Weena here lost her older brother and a year later, her older sister, both of them victims of waterborne illness. I want to look at this water. Ah, it smells horrible. I would never make a child drink this, but these children have no choice. It's this or nothing. It's not enough to tell them don't drink the water. We have to say, here's water you can drink.
4: You know, we're drilling wells We're providing water for God's creation. He knows them. He knows them by name, and he wants them to have clean, fresh water. Please help us. I know this would be a desire of your heart too, just as James and I do. We desire to pass on the blessings. We've been so mightily blessed ourselves, and we want to bless these families. So join with us, please, will you?
2: You know, it's one of the most moving things I've ever experienced in my life is to to actually see with my own eyes um, what it looks like for so many moms who are no different than me, who love their children the way I love my son, but who are born in a very different part of the world where the very basics are not available. You know, when, when my son comes home from college, The week before he comes home, I'm thinking about how can I get all his favorite foods in and how can I stock the pantry with all the things he loves? And there's a certain kind of bottled water he loves. Ridiculous, but I get it for him because he's my boy. And then I think of these moms. All they want is to be able to give one cup of clean water to their children. Mm -hmm. Because every single mother that I met on my last trip to Angola, every single mother had lost a child because they have this choice. It's like a Sophie's choice. Do I give them no water, and so they die that agonizing death of thirst, or do I give them this contaminated water, knowing the very gift I give them might take their life? Mm. But we can do something about it now. We can change this, Randy. For so little, we can make a difference. Yeah,
3: you know, most of us, if we were in the opp- had the opportunity, we would say, yeah, I'll give a, a cup of water. You can give a cup of water, not just to one person. But to 10 people, and not just one time, but for a lifetime for $48. Wow. Which seems unbelievable. Let me tell you how it works. The average well costs $4,800 to go in for us to, to dig that well and put it in. It's going to serve, on average, about a thousand people. It's going to last, on average, for 70 years. And when you do the math on that, that's how we can say $48 will give water for a lifetime, clean water for a lifetime to 10 people. Uh, $144 will give that same gift to 30 people. Some of you, you can outright drill a well. You can give that gift of $4,800. I want you to pray about that. And If if God's given you the means to do that, then do that. Others of you might want to partner with three other people, a gift of $1,200 times four, There's a well right there. Some of you, you you know, you're just going to have to pray and say, God, do you want me to participate in this? And if so, how much? And then do it. Do it at God's direction. I I don't want to lean on you too hard and, and show you the images to guilt you. I want you to experience the joy of giving, the joy of reaching out, the joy of saying to others, here's clean water. And not just in water's name, but in Jesus' name. Will you share the life and love of Christ with people around the world for a lifetime by giving them that clean water? I hope that God will lead you to do it. Go online, go to the phones, make the best gift you can.
0: Every day, children living in extreme poverty are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink polluted water filled with deadly disease or perhaps die of thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most proven and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can't end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. A gift of $48 will provide disease-free water for 10 people, $72 will provide for 15 people, and $144 will help provide clean water straight from the ground for 30 people. Please also consider an additional gift of $100 to help provide three families with water filtration kits in emergency areas where our drilling rigs are unable to reach. As our thank you, we'll send you the books Words of Jesus and Words of Healing. One contains only the Words of Jesus, and the other scriptures for healing in your body, mind, and soul. With your $100 gift, you can receive both hardbound and softbound editions of these scripture promise books. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people, or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our beautiful hand-sculpted Determined Eagle Bronze. Please call, write, or make your gift online.
4: Let me show you a water source that these kids are, are drinking from. And it's, uh, it's really, literally, with no exaggeration, contaminated water and they let this bucket down and they get the water. But it's not sealed and and controlled and capped. They're making do with what they have, but that's not good enough. It's not gonna help them to be healthy. You know, they've got this dirty, filthy, contaminated water to work with. They have to drink it to even survive a day. And I know that there couldn't be a greater joy from the parents of these children, James, than to be able to watch their children grow up. Well, they won't be able to do that if they don't have some fresh water because after a while, the disease is gonna kill them. Well, and we're the answer to that problem, all of us working together, each person doing what they can because we know the need is very real. We want you to see it up close and personal, but the thing we really want you to hear and know, you're really the answer. You're the, the way to provide hope and help to people who deserve it. And drilling freshwater wells, that's love indeed. Help us do it. Dial that telephone number and make the very best gift you can. Please do it and do it now. Please make the gift or you can go on lifetoday.org and make that gift online. Thank you so much. And if the phones
2: are busy, please stay committed. We can do this. And one of the things we'd love to send you is Jennifer's book. It's called Me, Myself, and Lies. What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, and you know we all do. We are So do. grateful for you being here, Jennifer. This is just Thank a wonderful you. book, and I know
3: it's going to help so many people. We do appreciate it. Please ask for the book when you make that best gift you can. We appreciate you joining with us in the Waterwell. Outreach, Changing Lives, and... Today, we want to say thank you to Jennifer for being here with us, blessing us us with your words, and uh, really just showing us how to speak life to our soul. Thank you so much.
0: a portrait of friendship and faith across 500 miles. I'll push you next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.